Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Read my lips, no new taxes. I will completely overhaul the healthcare system to provide universal health care for every American. I will renew the bond of trust between the president and the military, cut taxes, and shore up Social Security. I will close the partisan divide in Washington, D.C., reaching across the aisle. I will build a wall along the border with Mexico, and I'll get them to pay for it. I will bring civility and experience back to Washington. These are the promises that were made by the, six, the past six U.S. presidents. Now, regardless of their party, presidential candidates make promises on the campaign trail that they don't even know if they can keep. They don't even know what it would take to keep them. And they like to make promises that are difficult for us to measure. In fact, much of many of the promises they make, fulfilling them or not, is entirely out of their control. But it doesn't stop them from making promises. It doesn't stop them from creating these sound bites. As a result, it seems like the promises we hear are more often broken than fulfilled. So much so that we become immune to it so that when a promise isn't fulfilled, we hardly even take notice. I think we become conditioned to expect it. So there are few, if any, consequences for those promises being broken. And that's led to the culture of mistrust in the world today. I don't think things were all that different in Jeremiah's time. I don't know that there was a lot of trust in the world that Jeremiah was speaking to. Our reading from Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, this morning comes from a time when Jeremiah is actually in the palace prison of King Zedekiah. Jeremiah had been the, the prophet in, in Jerusalem and in, in, in Judah at the time, and Zedekiah was not all that pleased with the things that Jeremiah was saying, so he had put him in prison right there in the palace. And the timing was great because the, the Babylonians and, and King Cyrus were beginning to conquer Jerusalem and the nation of Judah. So there, there Jeremiah was in prison to a king who was being overthrown by another king. It was not a great time to be in Jerusalem, to be honest. And that's the time that Jeremiah was speaking to. It was a time of devastation and hopelessness for the people of God. You see, the northern kingdom had already fallen 150 years earlier. And now the southern kingdom was about to fall as well. It was a time of hopelessness and despair, which is why the Lord, through Jeremiah, acknowledged acknowledged that the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem were desolate and without inhabitants. Because the people who hadn't already been taken into Babylonian captivity, they were all hiding in their homes. You remember what it was like during COVID, don't you? We were all hiding in our homes for fear of the virus. Imagine hiding in your homes for fear of a conquering army. That's what it was like. The desolation, the despair, the hopelessness, and fear would have been similar to what we experienced 
Only their threat was a threat of violence, not a threat of illness and potential death. It changed life as they knew it, much as COVID changed life as we knew it. But in our reading, Jeremiah quickly transitions from the grim reality of the present to the hope of the future. And he does so by introducing bridal images and song, inviting the people to give thanks to the Lord of hosts for his steadfast love endures forever. And then God promises to restore the fortunes of the land, not just the people of Judah or Jerusalem, but the land itself. Restore it as it was at first. There they were in the midst of the devastation of their current context, being overthrown by the Babylonians. And Jeremiah offers a promise of hope, a covenant of care. Last week, Pastor Bruce made a big deal about God always fulfilling God's promises. God keeps God's promises, he said, once, twice, or maybe a dozen times. And we, like the politicians I just mentioned, we too make promises. We make promises. We make them with the best of intentions. But we don't always keep them. Sometimes we make a promise with no intention of keeping it just to keep the peace. And we'll deal with the fallout later. But not God. God always keeps God's promises. And God promised to the Judeans that while they're being captured by the Babylonians and taken into captivity, God promised that God would restore their fortunes, that God would redeem the people and the land. The question, however, was when? When would this promise be fulfilled? When would God restore the land as it had been at the first, as Jeremiah said? The second section of our reading, beginning with the 14th verse, answers that question. At least it answers it from our post-resurrection perspective. May may not have been quite so clear to to the Judeans who are being taken into captivity, but from our post-resurrection perspective, we can see that this has indeed been fulfilled The prophet says, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to both the house of Israel, which was the northern kingdom that had already fallen, and the house of Judah, the southern kingdom that was falling as he spoke. The Lord will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. Now we read about King David this fall, and as you remember, he was the first and really only righteous king to serve the united kingdom before they were divided in two. He was the, the, the second king of Israel and really the only righteous one to serve that, the kingdom when it existed as, as, a, as a whole. But David wasn't perfect. He was a man after God's own heart. He found favor with God and he was from the line of David. As God had said, he would send the Messiah. But David wasn't perfect. Um, but God used him used him and his descendant to reestablish God's kingdom here on earth. The people of Jeremiah's time looked for this promised Messiah. They were like, okay, well, if the Messiah is coming, we've, we've seen kings, we've had kings, we've had conquering kings, we've had our own kings. 
God will send, certainly send a new king to deliver us. That will fulfill the promise. So they looked for that new king to be human. So whenever a person rose to a position of status and power, they wondered if it was him. It was always men. They wondered if it was him, and it never was. You see, because like our politicians, today's today, the kings back then lied, and they didn't fulfill their promises. It quickly became apparent that they were not the, the righteous one who was promised because they began to act in their own best interests, not in the interests of the people or the nation. Quite simply, they were not righteous. They were not the one who God had promised would come. But one will come from the line of David, Jeremiah promises. One who will execute justice and righteousness in the land, which I think is what the people thought they wanted because they assumed that that would be justice over everybody else. <laughs> and they would assume a position of power and authority themselves. Jeremiah goes on to say, Then in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. The people will no longer need to live in fear because justice and righteousness will reign. But be careful what you pray for, what you wish for. This is the promise that God made to God's people as they're being led into Babylonian captivity. It's a promise that God has indeed fulfilled. And we're here today to worship and celebrate the good news that it has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus, whose father, Joseph, came from the line of David, from the stump of Jesse, just as Jeremiah promised he would. It's the first Sunday of Advent, We've lit the first candle, and our eyes are firmly upon the coming of Christ, the unexpected yet promised Messiah, who came into the world in righteousness. You see, Jesus came not when or how the exiled Jews expected him to come. He came well after King Cyrus and the Persians had conquered the Babylonians and allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem. Jesus came well after the temple had been rebuilt and they had reestablished their lives in Judah together. Jesus came hundreds of years and dozens of generations after Jeremiah spoke these words that we read this morning, words of encouragement and hope to the deserted streets of Jerusalem, to the hopeless people of Judah. Jesus did come, but they had to be patient. They had to wait just as we wait during this Advent season. And when Jesus came, he came not as a warrior king like King Nebuchadnezzar or King Cyrus. No, he came as the king of kings, the prince of peace. He came to establish or reestablish God's righteousness here on earth. You see, from the beginning... Back in the garden, when the man and the woman strayed from God's command, they hid from God. They tried to pretend like they hadn't done what they weren't supposed to do. And over time, we have continued to stray from God and then hide, thinking that somehow we could hide from God and God wouldn't know how we had strayed. And threw it out, throughout it all, all of it. We've been reading the Old Testament this fall, we know in our own lives, God has continued to pursue a relationship with God's creation, with those of us who have strayed and tried to hide from God. 
Throughout the Old Testament, we see it happening through God raising up priests and prophets to speak to the people, to help guide them and direct them in their lives and their, and their faith. But the people ignored them, and they worshiped other gods instead. And then we read in the Old Testament, when the people clamored for a king, they thought finally they would arrive. They would be a nation like the other nations. God relented and gave them a king. And then another, and then another, and then another. King after king, the people looked for hope and the promise of security from a human leader who time and time again disappointed them, who didn't fulfill his promises. You see, promises that are made are rarely, if ever, fulfilled. And even if they are fulfilled, they are unfulfilling. They aren't what the people thought they would be. Not so with God. For when God makes promises, the promises are always fulfilled. Always. Maybe not in the way that our human imagination imagines them being fulfilled, but they are always fulfilled. God fulfills God's promises. You heard Pastor Bruce say it last week, and I'm saying it this week, so it must be true. Two of the smartest people I know. Today we begin the Advent season of waiting and preparing to celebrate the fulfillment of the coming promised Messiah who will come in three short weeks. For my friends, Christ has already come as Justin said. We don't need to wait. We know that he has come, but know that he is coming again. And so we prepare to celebrate the good news of that coming. Celebrate it together throughout this Advent season and when we gather together to celebrate his birth once again. Amen.